This is The Playbook. This is David Meltzer with Entrepreneurs The Playbook, and I have a special treat for you on this episode of The Playbook. I'm joined with Mark Kirkham, SVP and Chief Marketing Officer of PepsiCo International Beverages. Welcome to The Playbook, Mark. Hey, thanks so much. Appreciate it, Dave. Nice to, to meet you and great to be on the show. Well, it's great to have you because I want to talk about the old traditional parts of marketing of how to build a brand, how to build an iconic brand that uh, awareness ranges around the world. When people see the name and the logo, they know exactly what they're going to get, who they're going to get, and how they're going to get it, um, which is you know sometimes lost today in this virtual, uh, amplified, perpetual content type of world. So I want to take us back to some basics in iconic brand building. Um, what things apply today, Mark, uh, with all the amplification in individual silos, unlike the traditional three media silos that existed when you probably started your career, uh, what are some of the basics that still hold true today to build an iconic brand like Pepsi? Look, I think the 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 two basics that have to hold through are authenticity and relevance. Um, and I, I say those they're generic terms in many ways, but actually they're probably more important today than they ever have been. And and the reason is because because the media landscape is is so fragmented, because how you build brands is in many ways so different from where it was 15, 20 years ago. You know, if you think about the the definition of the word iconic, it's all about imagery. You know, it, it it goes back to you know Latin roots and 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 statues and what made something an icon and and in the history of marketing, it was that visual representation of a brand. Uh, and many of us got away from doing very simple things to represent that visually on pack, uh, on TV, in store, what have you, for a long, long time, and it worked just great, you know, to identify with and and deliver on what people would say is uh, make something iconic. But in today's world, it's it, it can't just be those things. Um, and I think it creates great opportunity and also some challenges. So for me, if you are building brands in authentic ways that are relevant to a new generation of consumers, then you can be iconic. But if all you do is do the old stuff the same way and expect you know the, the same results, I think that's the, the, the paradigm shift is what makes something iconic is is fundamentally the same, but how it becomes iconic is actually very different. So how you engage consumers, how you tell stories, how you relate to people, how you drive relevance, it's just different. And I think as marketeers, we have to evolve and adapt to, to be iconic and, and help establish, or in some cases, reestablish the iconicity of our brands. Yeah. And using that term iconic in a fairly liberal way, I've been blessed to build some iconic sports brands uh, like the, the Troy Aikman, Steve Young, and Warren Moons, the Lennox Lewis, Evander Holyfields of the world. And I have found by studying physics, believe it or not, that uh, I have learned the energy of this idea of building a community. And I think when we look at iconic brands, there's a certain community that Pepsi is the lead of. And that is in a frequency or vibration of that neighborhood or, or community. And frequencies and vibration, when you talk about, and your branding is about staying in tune with the next generation, 
we need to aggregate our community. We want exponentiality of outcomes and growth of that community. And we want that to accelerate. And we have to stay on top of the neighborhood that we're attracting in this brand building and this iconic community, as well as an iconic brand. Uh, it seems to me, uh, and I've studied Pepsi and I've studied what you do, that you have a keen sense of the energy behind the brand, not just the clever communication of the brand or the coloring and the iconic people that you associate, but it seems as if you really understand a frequency of your community and you stay on top of that and ahead of uh, what's going on today to resonate even beyond satisfy with the product. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's, well, I think it's important that all brands identify where they sit in culture so they can understand how they're going to be able to relate to new consumers in new occasions and in many cases in in new context right i mean the 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 you know when i grew up in in the 70s and 80s you'd have a very different context for the category than what you have today and you think about the dynamics that have changed um you have to think about if Pepsi's known for sport and music and Gatorade's known for sport and 7-Up is known for refreshment and all the brands that we play with internationally, you've got to be really clear on the communities, to your point, that you're talking to. You know, so with Pepsi, like how do we engage communities differently, you know, in sport and gaming? Look at our deal with EA. You know, it's a massive step change for us with what we're doing with EA FC. And, and we couldn't do that deal in the past because of the relationship that that the former title had with, with one of our competitors. But we're now thinking about how do you transverse the gaming culture with, you know, football culture, which is rabid and soccer culture, and, and also music culture. There's an intersection between all three. Um, look what we've done with our UEFA Champions League partnership, for example. You know, when UEFA was building what wanted to be a more entertainment forward, but yet true to what, what is the football tournament, they came to us. Why? Because of all the work we had done historically on, on the, the halftime show in, in, with the Super Bowl. So all of these things are allowing us to build new relationships, new partnerships, but ultimately, the community is it, the, these communities are overlapping. You know, they, they especially when you talk about sports, music, uh, and and art and gaming, they, it's all one. And if a brand can identify the passion area, the partner, and the unique and authentic storytelling capability, you can do great work. And and the other thing is, you know, then you have to look at each brand differently. What you do for Pepsi versus what you do for Gatorade. You know, we built a, a a grassroots program we call Gatorade Five V Five. We've had a, over one hundred and fifty thousand kids around the world participate in what's essentially a five aside tournament. Now, it's not a tournament; it's a brand building activation opportunity for us. But also, it's an education opportunity. It's what is the role of the product? What is the role of the brand? And we tie that to our partnership with Champions League as a way to show that we're giving an opportunity for kids from you know, the UAE to Korea to Ecuador, an opportunity to go to the biggest game of the year uh, in, in soccer. So I think taking these communities and having a very clear role for your brand to be part of that community, but ultimately to amplify that community. That's, that's, the, that's I think, the special sauce today. It's not as simple as build an idea, find a media plan and execute it. 
It's a much more hands-on look at the, the consumer behavior, understand who your consumer is. And ultimately, it's a very human nature thing. How are people engaging with topics and how can you be relevant in that conversation? Yeah, the amplification as we look at the building of a brand and how it's changed over the years, uh, you and I both have experience in marketing where it was a direct-to-consumer brand. You know, we would put it onto a commercial and whoever watched that commercial would be impacted by that commercial and hopefully adopt or adapt to whatever the messaging was in order to facilitate this community that Pepsi has been so successful at building. But today we don't know where it goes. And there's certain individuals that by chance or by direct uh, strategy can amplify a message more than the old direct channels can. Uh, there's individuals who have an engaged you know, following that is greater than uh, our favorite TV shows of the past. Um, and I was curious because I think it would be one of the greatest challenges, but also one of the greatest opportunities for Pepsi and all of your brands to figure out how to get a maximized amplification of content that's created, activations, which are now not just activations, they're content. A billboard is content uh, that okay. can, with the right message, be amplified past the million drivers that may pass a billboard into hundreds of millions of people if it's the right frequency or authentic in its nature. How, in your mindset, are you dealing with a strategy that's not as controllable uh, as in the past, being able to now really take advantage of how we can get exponential results. I think it goes back to the principles and 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 Kotler and those guys, it's still relevant, but the channel's different, right? If you go back to the academic side of, of what we all learn on marketing is that the, the, the four Ps, the Cs, it doesn't matter which academic principles, they're still relevant today. It's not the what, it's the how. And the how, to your point, if I go back to the 80s and think about what role did Michael Jackson play, I could argue that we've got plenty of influencers like Luva in Brazil, who you probably don't even know, this amazing kid who's really blown up just by doing Recibe and, and, and just bringing himself into the mainstream of culture in football. You know, he's serving that similar role in a new way. And, and you can see it even with talent deals. And, you know, you've done a lot of work with talent. Those talent communities are sometimes bigger than the team itself. And, and that talent now represents not just a ambassador or endorser, it's a channel, it's a medium. It's much more in terms of the role they play in helping you tell your narrative. So I, I think this, this idea of, you know, the fundamentals of marketing haven't changed. The how has, and if you don't embrace the how, then frankly, you'll be lost. Um, and if you're not thinking about these new channels, the influencers, the use of talent differently, and even to your point of the billboard, how traditional medium is actually a new way to have a different conversation. We just did a, a project uh, with Stormzy, who's probably the, the top hip hop grime artist in the UK with Spotify. Now it wasn't simply a hey you know text to win or scan a can to win a subscription. We literally created a a world, uh, five worlds in fact, where we brought him to life in a completely new space and created interactive billboard advertising, six sheets, billboards where you could actually engage with a concert. 
Uh, and ultimately, yes, we're going to give subscriptions away and there's going to be a private gig later in the fall that only our fans can be part of. And this was with Rockstar. You know, this, this idea of taking immersive experience and taking music platforms, traditional media, talent used totally differently, that is, I'd say, the new common. You know, that is what's going to be the everyday approach to marketing. And again, the principles of what are the same, but the how is actually very different. And thinking about that, how one of the unbelievable tests of time that Pepsi has evolved with is addressing and engaging the younger generation. And it's not just a matter of over a decade. It's pretty much over my lifetime that you somehow have been able to engage the youngest generation that's driving all types of sales to the multi-brand worldwide that Pepsi represents. What do you think, you know, a key component of being able to continually stay in front of what becomes faster and faster with change, this younger generation? Well, I think it has to start with what does the brand stand for? And I, I think if if we're if we look at the Pepsi brand, you know, over the last, you know, 125 years, as a matter of fact, um, we've always been a challenger. You know, uh, we were the second big cola. We were um, the first in some countries in the world, but, you know, the last in others. And and our approach and fundamentally what the brand stands for, and you could say this for other brands in our portfolio as well, is, you know, we really want to challenge people to to enjoy life, enjoy the product, enjoy these things. But what what is enjoyment for you or I or my kids is different. And, and I think that's forced Pepsi as a brand to be in tune with culture very differently than our competitors or even other brands in other categories, because by very nature, we must change. We have to embrace change. We have to embrace culture. We have to be able to pivot. We have to be able to change our logo every 10 or 15 years. Why? Because that's who we are. And, and I think what's what, what makes it special is it gives us the permission to evolve our product, You know, our no sugar products. If you think about how we evolve our communication, both in terms of channel, medium, storytelling, talent, all of these things, we have permission to do that because consumers see us as a more dynamic. You know, we if 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 our com competitors are viewed as timeless, kind of always the same, we are much more timely. We are much more at the cutting edge of change and engagement. Um, and it doesn't mean we have. You know, there's still plenty of great brands out there who are doing amazing stuff we can learn from. But I think it allows us as Pepsi, and I would say as PepsiCo, and across our portfolio to just do things differently. But to do that, we need to be in touch with culture. We need to hire the youngest, smartest, most, most talented people to do different things. We need to be able to invest differently because we may not have as much money as the next guy, but we can do things differently with it. These are the types of, I think, cultures and behaviors as marketeers we have to embrace. And to have a brand like Pepsi as an example that allows us, gives us permission to really challenge people and get people out there to enjoy life and ultimately our products, I think that's a really a great place to be when the world around you is changing so often. Yeah, and I do not want to discount one of the things is you get some of the greatest marketers in the world, like Mark, who works with one of the biggest and greatest iconic brands, is that none of it really works unless it tastes great. Uh, you know, and so as you look at, I'm 55 years old. I love. Pepsi 7 Up and Gatorade, just to name three three of your brands. And it may have been the marketing that got me to try it 
uh, because it had a big cooler on the side of my football field when I was in Pop Warner, whatever enticed me or stimulated me to try the product, but was has kept me around for 50 years is that it's still the best tasting product. And that really helps you to that end. There is an advantage today that we didn't have when I was on the sidelines, you know, of my football team. And that's a lot of technology and data that's driven by that to stimulate more interest so that more people can enjoy the great quality and great taste of your product. Um, how important is your future roadmap uh, with the technology that's available today and the cannibalization of the data that must be in the billions of people in order to effectuate learning as well as uh, stimulating more interest uh, because you obviously have to, you're, you're, a custom, you're a company that listens for, not talks to their customer, which I think is a huge advantage in the authenticity of your brand. Yeah, I mean, look, technology and data is going to be at the forefront of any brand's uh, strategy moving forward. And if it's not, they're not going to be relevant. And back to my conversation about authenticity and relevancy, today, you know, data and technology allows us to take our conversation into new places. You know, whether it's simply just using first-party data to target consumers in relevant channels, you know, we do a lot of work within our company around perfect store execution, targeting most valuable stores, using store data as well as community-based data to understand where people are shopping and for what. That data is precious so that we can actually be much more focused on our messaging. And if you can be more focused on the messaging, you get more bang for your buck. And more importantly, the consumer feels, hey, I'm relevant to them. They're targeting me with the right message in the right context. And this whole idea of you know, mass marketing, mass marketing exists, exists as a, I'll call it a, a term, but it's not really mass as we used to think of mass. Mass was a big buy with a big media agency with a big billboard campaign or whatever. Today, the mass is actually fragments of other things. And under it, under all of that is data. You know, whether it's e-commerce direct-to-consumer data, whether it's Spotify subscription data, whether it's uh, data from our partners to allow us to actually communicate to different fan groups differently, all of this will allow us to be more relevant and ultimately our message to be more authentic. Um, and, and it doesn't have to be as technically savvy as AI to actually allow us to be hyper relevant. You know, AI is obviously the topic on a lot of people's conversations today, but AI is already being used today. Many of our companies and many companies around the world use AI in the back of house, much better in forecasting, all the things that we know AI has, has been allowing us to be smarter as companies. And then you get to generative AI, which ultimately there's challenges and opportunities with it, particularly when you think of the risks of IP usage. So we'll continue to explore and, 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 and use technology and data. But what's core of that is understanding the consumer. Every data point is a point in time, a piece of behavior, a piece of consumer insight that allows us to have better messaging, better understanding of what consumers want from a product standpoint, better understanding of the context of an occasion, which is frankly, if you think of beverages and food, it's all occasion-based. So all of these data points allow us to just be smarter. Uh, and without data, frankly, you know, people forget there was data even before there was, you know, mobile phones. You know, it just was a lot harder to get. And it was a bit more linear. 
in today's world, you know, I, I still think of the guy who who stopped traffic in Berlin by putting 99 phones into a wheel wagon and created, you know, and basically hacked Google. Like that just shows the power of data. So if you don't embrace that as a brand, you're not going to be successful in today's world. Well, thank you so much for helping all of us as an iconic brand builder yourself of an iconic brand like Pepsi. We're blessed here on the playbook to get an MBA in a day. Go back, listen to this again, enhance the amount of money that you're spending on your education, especially in marketing and brand building. I'm personally going to go back after 35 years of being a brand builder and listening to the extraordinary advice and playbook to success. We're blessed to have Mark Kirkham, he's the Senior Vice President and Chief Marketing Officer of PepsiCo, the iconic brand, brand leader in so many different spaces. Thank you so much for joining me. This is David Meltzer on Entrepreneurs, The Playbook.